And uh, if, if you have your Bibles, would, would you mind turning to Numbers? Um, the fourth book in the Bible, we're going to Numbers chapter 6. Um, and I, I'd love to, to read it over you and uh, go from there. Um, Numbers chapter 6. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron the high priest and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I, the Lord, will bless them. This is God's word. So, at the beginning of the book of Numbers, ancient Israel are on the foothills of Mount Sinai, where they've been for the last year or so. And just one year before, they were slaves, living under the oppressive rule of Egypt. But now at Mount Sinai, they are freed people. Just one year before, God had rescued them from slavery, defeating their oppressors, and led them out of captivity through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, to Mount Sinai. And here at Mount Sinai, God established a, a covenant relationship with ancient Israel. That means he established an ancient legal contract or a binding document between him and the people. And the covenant was God's legal promise and declaration that he would be Israel's God and that they would be his people. He would lead them, he would protect them, he would bless them, and he would love them as his own. And in response, the Israelites would be his people, following his instructions, obeying his law, and living as God's representatives in the world. And as a visible, a visible sign of this covenant relationship, the Lord God gave the Israelites instructions to build a, a tabernacle, a, a tent of meeting where God's, where God's presence would dwell in the midst of his people. God would live with his people. And then God set apart one family, Aaron and his sons, to be his priests. They would be God's mediators or the people who stood in the gap between God and Israel. And they would do so by overseeing everything that happened in the tabernacle, such as praying for the people, teaching them God's law, and offering sacrifices to God on their behalf. So in summary, we see that God rescued the people of Israel from slavery and led them safely to Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God establishes a covenant relationship with them. As a sign of this covenant relationship, God chooses to live with his people and to have his presence dwell in the tabernacle in the middle of their camp. And lastly, God establishes Aaron and his sons to be Israel's priests, to mediate or to maintain this covenant relationship with them. And all of this has happened in less than a year. And it's into this context that we come to Numbers. Ancient Israel are camped on the foothills of Mount Sinai, but now the people of God are preparing to leave Sinai and journey through the wilderness towards the land that God had promised them. And it's here 
in the midst of all of these final preparations, as they take a census to document the size of a newly formed army, as they organize the layout of their camp according to their clans, and as they are given guidelines to keep the camp pure, because remember, they have a holy God in their midst. It's here in this unlikely place that God gives his people one of the most beautiful, memorable, and profound blessings in the whole Bible. As God's people prepare to journey through the wilderness, as they prepare to face trials of many kinds along the way, be that opposition or doubt or suffering or sin, as they prepare to journey towards the promised land, God gives his priests a blessing to speak over his people to remind them the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. And so, my brothers and sisters, as you continue on your journey through the wilderness of this world, as you continue towards your promised heavenly home, would you remember God's blessing as well. The Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you and your families. May our good and gracious God give you all that you need. At Mount Sinai, the Lord's blessing included providing for Israel's physical needs. If you look with me at Leviticus 26, we, we see that God's blessings include seasonal rains and fruitful harvests, victory in their battles, children and grandchildren, an abundance of resources, health, peace, and life in the land. The Lord's blessings included the very practical and very physical needs of his people. And they're not unspiritual or insignificant. They are precious gifts. They are blessings from our gracious heavenly father. Jesus even taught us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. In other words, God, would you give us today all that we need to live? Bread to eat. Water to drink. Children, health safety for our families, and peace for our communities. Our God cares about our physical needs. He did so at Mount Sinai, and he still does today. And so, my brothers and sisters, would you hear this? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you by providing for your daily needs. May he provide you with water, food, and shelter. May he provide for your families by keeping them safe and healing those who are sick. May he provide for your communities by giving them peace. The Lord bless you. At Mount Sinai, the Lord's blessing included providing for his people's physical needs. But the heart of the blessing, the most important part of the blessing was not just his physical gifts, but his physical presence. It was God himself living with his people. 
if you look at Leviticus 26 again, at verses 11 and 12, on top of providing for his people's physical needs, the Lord God says, I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. That means I will not hate you or reject you, but I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. At Mount Sinai, the most important part of God's blessing was God himself. God living with his people, walking with his people, knowing and loving his people through any and every circumstance. The most important part of God's blessing is the very presence and person of God himself. And so my brothers and sisters, would you hear this with grace and faith? This truth means that you can be blessed even when you don't have food to eat or a roof over your head. You can be blessed when you lose your job or if you don't have a job. You can be blessed even when you or the people in your family are sick or hurt or dying. You can be blessed if you're unable to have children. You can be blessed even when your community is filled with fear and violence. My brothers and sisters, you can be blessed in any and every circumstance because God himself is with you. God's very presence lives in you. He walks with you. He weeps with you. He knows you and he loves you and he is always with you, always. And so my brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you by providing for your daily needs. May he provide you with his grace and strength as you struggle to earn enough money for food and water and adequate shelter. May he provide for your families with his grace and comfort for those who are sick and for those who are mourning. And may he provide for your communities by giving them his grace and peace in the midst of fear and violence. May our good and gracious God give you all that you need. May he give you himself because he is all you need. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord keep you safe in his loving arms. May he protect you and deliver you from evil. May our just and faithful God hold you fast and never let you go. In the book of Numbers, God's people were preparing to leave Sinai to journey through the wilderness towards the promised land. And along the way, they would face trials of many kinds. They would face opposition from other peoples. There'd be times when they'd be hungry, without food and thirsty, without water, Many of them would get sick, and many of them would actually die in the wilderness. They would suffer. And because of their suffering, they might be tempted to think that God has abandoned them, or to doubt God's goodness or faithfulness or his love for them. But here in this blessing, God is declaring that he will keep them safe on their journey. He will protect them. He will deliver them. He will keep them even as they struggle with doubt and even as they struggle with suffering. All they need to do is trust in him because he will hold them fast. 
many of you know that I grew up in the promised land of the Eastern Cape. Um, and, and one of the things that the Eastern Cape is known for, besides its fantastic people, is its beaches. Untouched coastlines that stretch on for kilometers on end. The, the sand is, is soft and, and golden and it rises into these massive sand dunes that kind of lead into untamed bush. And something that I've appreciated more and more about living, uh, about living back home uh, versus living here is that the sea is actually warm. <laughs> but at the same time, the sea is wild. The, the waves there are, are big and the currents are strong. And as children, we were particularly daring or brave or silly. And we would always try to swim out as far as we could to the point where we could barely touch the floor with our feet, just so that we could catch the best waves and then body surf them back to the shore. Um, and yes, it was probably a little dangerous and probably a little reckless. And yes, we probably shouldn't have done it, but, but we did. Um, and and I, ca I can't forget, but one day, um, the waves were, I guess, particularly big and the currents particularly strong, but I, I found myself in a bit of trouble. I had wandered out a little further than I should have, and I, I was struggling to swim against the current. And as this was happening, I, I looked up and there was this massive dumping wave about to break on top of me, and, and I, I froze. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, th thankfully, there was an older guy who was swimming next to me, and he obviously saw that I was panicking and uh, that I was in trouble. And so he jumped across. He took me in his arms. He turned and he took the full blow of the, the wave. And we went down. We were underwater. And we got tossed around a little bit, but eventually he stood up. And uh, he got me out the water and he got me back to a place where I could stand. And I, I think that's kind of a picture of what God is saying here. As the waves of suffering are about to crash on his people, God will jump across. He will wrap his arms around them and he will protect them. And while they might go under the water, and while they might be tossed around for a bit, God will not let them go. He will make sure that they get back to safety. He will keep them. He will hold them fast. And my brother and sister, that is God's promise to you. He will hold you fast. As you journey through this wilderness of this world, as you experience opposition, suffering, and doubts along the way, would you remember and would you trust that our God will keep you, that he will hold you fast? Early in the 1900s, I guess, um, Ada Herbason, a famous hymnist, wrote these famous words. It would be okay, I'd like to read the hymn. When I fear, my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he would hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold, but he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. 
he will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, his promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. For my life he bled and died, Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied, he will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight when he comes at last. He will hold me fast. He will hold you fast. For our Savior loves us so, he will hold us fast. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord hold you fast and never let you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord smile on you and give you eyes favor. In other words, may God treat you better than you deserve and give you more than you deserve. May our merciful and generous God lavish you with his abundant grace. And to be honest, it's this section that makes me incredibly humbled. If you're familiar at all with the story of ancient Israel, you would know that God's people are a piece of work. Throughout the story, they are unfaithful. As they travel through the wilderness, they moan and grumble against God. They doubt his goodness and faithfulness, and they even turn away from him. They sin against him, and they reject him and his law. Time and time again, God's people are unfaithful. And if they did it before, what's the likelihood of them doing it again? Of course they will. And God knows they will. But instead of withholding his grace and favor, God lavishly pours it out all over his people. God's grace, which means God's favor, is lavish. Lavish. That means his favor overflows with generosity and kindness. His blessings overflow. They are abundant. They are elaborate. And they are extravagant. I might make a bit of a mess, but I'd give it a try. If God's, let's move this out. Okay. If your life is a cup and God's blessing is water, his favor isn't stingy. He doesn't withhold it from you. Oh, sorry. No, no. He doesn't withhold it from you. Or he doesn't give it sparingly. Oh, I'll just give you a little bit of favor, a little bit of grace. No. God's favor overflows and it overflows and it overflows 
and it overflows. But there's more. There's more grace. And there's more favor. And there's more grace. And there's more favor. And there's more grace. And while this stops, God's grace doesn't. God's favor overflows. His grace is lavish. It's more than we could ever deserve. And it's more than we could ever imagine. for those of us who are in Christ. Just think about it with me. The all-perfect, all-powerful, eternal God was willing to step into history and take on human flesh and live with broken, sinful people. And not only did he live with them, he loved them. He loved them so much that he died for them. And mysteriously and gloriously, all of God's just wrath and punishment for humanity's sin was poured out on him and he died so that we might live. That means that every single one of your debts against God are paid for. Every single one of your sins are forgiven now and forever. And what did we do? Trust and accept his finished work on the cross. That's grace. But wait, there's more grace. Once we were enemies of God, but now in Christ, we are his beloved sons and daughters. Once we were slaves in sin, but now in Christ we are free. But more than that, we are God's royal heirs with Christ. Once we were deserving of only judgment and punishment, but now in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there's still more favor. Right now, God's very presence doesn't live in a tent. It lives in you. God's spirit is leading you in truth, comforting you in your suffering and helping you to change, helping you to say no to sin and destructive behaviors, and helping you to say yes to joy and freedom and life lived to the full. Right now, Jesus Christ, our high priest, is praying for you, praying perfect, sinless prayers that God would indeed bless you. Praying that God would keep you and deliver you from evil. Praying that you would grow in your maturity and love of him in your faith so that you can trust him more in the here and now. And praying that God's kingdom would come in your life, in your family, and in your community. But there's still more grace. My brothers and sisters, this world is not your home. Your home is with God in the renewed heavens and earth, where every injustice is accounted for, where every tear is wiped away, where pain, sickness, suffering, and death are no more. That is our home. And brothers and sisters, your future is eternally secured. Your room has already been made. 
how God is keeping it with you. And you will be with him. You will be home. And what did we do? That's grace. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's all God's grace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And lastly, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. That means may the Lord see you and move towards you and give you his peace. My brothers and sisters, as you journey through the wilderness of this world towards our promised heavenly home, as you struggle and as you suffer along the way, our God promises here in this blessing that he will not turn his face away from you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you or forsake you. No, our No, our God promises to see you, to turn his face toward you. That means that he notices when you walk in the room. He he, he lifts up his head and he sees you. But it's more than that. God doesn't just see you and then look away. He doesn't just see you but then try to avoid you or act like you're not there or that he doesn't know you. No, not only does God see you, he gets out of his chair and he moves toward you, overflowing with compassion and love. He moves toward you with gentleness, with care, and with heavenly joy. He moves toward you with a smile on his face, sometimes tears in his eyes, but always with his arms open wide. Our God sees you and he moves towards you and he promises to give you his peace. The word peace here is that famous Hebrew word for shalom. And it doesn't mean the absence of conflict or the absence of stress or suffering. Shalom or or peace here means to be whole, to be complete. It carries with it the ideas of delight, flourishing and total well-being. I've heard it used before to refer to a, a stone wall, a stone wall with no gaps in it and no bricks missing. That's the picture of peace, wholeness. And here God promises to make us whole, to give us peace, peace that surpasses all understanding, peace that is not dependent on your circumstances. Our God promises to give us peace in the midst of our stress, in the midst of our struggles, and in the middle of our suffering. Our God promises to make us whole. And so my brother and sister, may I be so bold to ask you, 
Where are the gaps in your life? Where are the bricks missing? What are the areas in your life where God's wholeness and peace are missing? And where do you need God's peace to restore and make you whole? Would you hear this with faith, trusting that our God is good and faithful to his promises? May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May God give you peace as others misunderstand you, misrepresent you, or even oppose you because of your faith. May God give you peace as you continually and faithfully endure through suffering as sickness. May God give you peace as you continue to wrestle with God through your doubts and your questions. May God give you peace in your singleness, in your marriage, and in your relationships. May God give you peace in your unemployment, in your work, in your retirement. May God give you peace in your anger, in your fear, in your anxiety, in your sorrow, and in your grief. May God give your family peace. May he give his peace to your brothers and sisters and to your children and to your parents and to your grandchildren, to your grandparents. May God give your community peace. May the Lord our God, brick by brick by brick, restore those painful gaps in your walls and make you whole. And as he does, would you remember Jesus' words? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And so, my family, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his And the only thing for you to do is to trust that our God is good and faithful and then receive his blessing in your life by faith. He said, I will bless you. He has and he will. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me? Nodin, I wonder if you could actually just pop on that scripture. I think maybe, maybe we can as just a blessing to one another, a blessing that you can say over your families and faith. Would, would you read this with me? Um, we can just do verses 26, and uh, then maybe we can sing. Cool, so shall we go? Uh, the Lord bless you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.